0: Hour two of the game, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. It is a Friday, so it's also after 5 o'clock, so it's the game after work and the game heading into your weekend. So to come in, hour number two, we're going to hear from Chris Kleiman. his final spring press conference. Wrapped up earlier this morning, number one song of the day and Ask Us Anything. A reminder that K-State baseball is coming your way tonight from the West Coast. The Cats taking on the anteaters of UC Irvine, beginning a three-game series in non-conference play. Tonight's first pitch will be a couple of minutes after 8 o'clock. And that means pregame starts at 7 30 right here on News Radio KMAN. The breaking news from earlier this morning Mr. K State Ernie Barrett passing away at the age of 93 here in Manhattan. And now we are joined by former K State baseball coach Mike Clark, who is, of course, friends with Mr. K State for, for quite a long time. But Uh, Coach, really appreciate your time. I I called you earlier to see if you would be interested in doing this interview. You're on your way back from Iowa. I'm sure you spent uh, quite a few hours earlier today just thinking about about the memory with Ernie. Well,
1: That was was the whole drive, was uh, memories and thinking about different things that we've done together and special things that Ernie has done for Kansas State and for Our people and donors and everything. So, yeah, it was was, memory lane is what it was driving driving back six and a half
0: hours. Well, take me back. Do you recall the day you met him? Because we all know about the handshake and the hugs. And do you recall the first time you got that handshake? I can't.
1: uh, It was, I I was high. yeah, I was hired in '86, 1986, and Ernie wasn't working with the department at that time. He was in Wichita, so it probably, in thinking back, it probably was at either the Colbert Fogler Golf Tournament or at the Wichita Catbacker Club uh, event. Would have been the first time I saw, I, I met him. Uh, I, I remember. Vividly, like everybody else, the handshake, and nobody warned me. And like a lot of people, they warned me. They they must have saw a rookie and thought, "Well, we'll just let him <laughs> take it." So uh, remember the handshake. Uh, and then uh, as time wore on, and and he got back with the athletic department, spent you know a lot of time with him with the baseball stadium and, and that was built and. And everything else that he did, he—I mean, he touched. If you're a case stater, you—you you got touched by Ernie Barrett because he—he—he he, he knew everybody and was friends with everybody. Well,
0: what what was it about you two that that made you guys click and become friends?
1: Well, first of all, when we were building the baseball stadium, we didn't have a lot of money. I mean, the Doyton family. Pitched in a lot of money, as did other individuals, but a lot of the, the first baseball stadium was gift in kind, and so he and I kind of hit the road and talked to people and and everything about that, and we got to be really, you know, close during that time because like we basically were out with our hat in the hand trying to uh, get stoned, trying to get donated, tried to get different things donated so that we could have a stadium that Kansas State could be, be proud of. And then as I, you know, retired from coaching uh, and uh, did a couple of years of banking and stuff, we stayed friends and, you know, I was, even though I wasn't employed by the athletic department, I was very active with the athletic department. And then when I came back, they offered me the job to uh, be the uh, a fundraiser in development. I went to Ernie. He was who I went to because he was the one that kind of ta- kind of taught me everything about how to do it. And just to ask him, I said, you know, uh, can I? Is this is it all right? You know, am I somebody that can do this and all this other stuff? And he said, heck yes. And then from that moment on, that's 20 years ago. We. Grown even closer and closer, and you know one of the things that you know as, as we've all gotten older, there's been less and less people that in the athletic department and out of the athletic department that know Ernie and knew what he did after he retired. And uh, I always tried to make sure that he was involved in everything that we could get him involved in, and and let the people know that this is a giant. This is this is a guy we don't have. If you think about Kansas State athletics without Ernie Barrett, and I'm not I'm not sure where or what conference we'd be in. I don't know facility wise what we'd be doing, and you know he and Bill Snyder were two mainstays in doing all that. And as being one of the development people, I wanted his input on everything because he was the he was the master. He was he was the best there ever was.
0: Well, can you recall, like, exactly, like, when it comes to the facilities and it comes to raising money, like, exactly what facilities he had the biggest hand in and, and making become a reality?
1: Well, the football stadium to start with, way back when, and then the next thing would have been probably Bramley's Coliseum. And he, he, you know, he and the Bramlage family, uh, Fred and Dorothy, he got them to make a substantial contribution to allow us to build that facility. Then the first baseball stadium, uh, the track and field out there, the uh, indoor practice facility that now is going to be turned into an indoor, state-of-the-art indoor track and field facility, uh, Brandeberry Complex. Uh... I mean, we, and even though he didn't have a hand in a lot of the later things, he he touched all of it. I mean, whether, whether it be Chad Weiberg or, or Laird Beach or any of the other development people that have gone through Kansas State, he was instrumental in helping us and guiding us to, to raise the facilities for for all of
0: these facilities that we have. Former K-State baseball coach Mike Clark is our guest. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's fair to say about everything you see around here athletically. Ernie Barrett had a big hand of being the reason and helping raise the money as the why we have those facilities here today. Wyatt Thompson was telling me that you two really became maybe the closest you had been over the last couple of years. Is that is that maybe due to his declining health, or what would you say that was?
1: Well, we we uh, we traveled a lot together to bowl games and to the NCAA tournaments and the Big Twelve tournaments, and it got to be a situation where less and less people knew who Ernie was, whether it be in the athletic department or we have a whole generation of people that weren't born, you know, when Ernie was doing his thing and doing all these wonderful things for Kansas state. So I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that he was represented and he, he felt special. And then I felt special just being around him. I I, mean, I got more out of this than Ernie did because it was just phenomenal being with him through all of this. And, and, uh, and, you know, as he could go to less and less things, he and Bonnie both, you know, couldn't, go to the tournaments could do different things i wanted to make sure that they knew what was going on and that we'd send pictures and we i'd call and and make sure that they were included in everything even if they couldn't get there they knew what was going on so yeah if we got close we, we've been close for you know 15 years probably and then just got closer and closer as and, and the other side of it, it you know i'm up in the years now and getting ready to retire so i i gained even more respect for what he did going through what we did with the building champions and all the different programs that we had i mean he was the one-man show back when this thing started so i mean what a, how many we got in development now about eight people and other. i mean I've got handwritten letters of thank you from Ernie Barrett that he had to write to the donors when they donate money. I mean, he's he's a classic, and, and uh, I owe a lot to him, and Kansas State owes a lot to him.
0: So in her statement early, I read one on the air from Amy Button Rins, who brought up that she was like she was next to Ernie at the uh, Sweet 16 win in 18 against Kentucky. I think I'd seen a picture that you were with them too. I was wondering if you could tell us because we know it's well documented that, of course, as a player, very important in the development of K State men's basketball, going to multiple Final Fours as a coach and as a player. And, uh, and then you have, of course, kind of gone over the resume of him helping raise money for so many facilities with K-State, but what was he like just as a fan in that games?
1: You, you better win and you better play well <laughs> with Ernie. Now, with that game, that Kentucky game, uh, he was pretty quiet, except for when somebody would want to go get a beer and get in front of us, then he was pretty vocal, but <laughs> Uh, he was he was in the game i mean he was he was playing that game while it was going on up in, next to him he you know he he get concerned about something i said we're all right we're all right he take his head and everything and it wasn't until there were 6 seconds left in the clock and they fouled us we barely hit the layup and then they we we, we uh if I remember correctly, they, they had to follow us and, uh, six seconds left, he looked at me and he says, we're going to do this. And I said, we're going to do this. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> and as soon as the horn sounded, we both got up and hugged and, and that whole trip, you know, was surreal. I thought a lot about that driving back from from home. It was you know, it, it, everything was, was just perfect. Everything was just great, and Bruce, Bruce Weber was phenomenal in allowing Ernie to be involved with everything and in the locker room, and, and it was just a, a, a real special deal. But he was he was mentally and physically playing that game, sitting in that seat. My knee was sore on the right, on the left side from him hitting it, nudging it (laughs) and stuff while it was going on. But it was finally, you know, because he'd come so close and, and, you know, always kind of blamed himself for Kansas State losing to Kentucky his senior year. If he would have been healthy, sure, Kansas State would have won and won the national championship and it would have helped Kansas State win other basketball national championships but but that game he was as intense as I've ever seen him and, and Ernie's usually intense at games anyway
0: so yeah I'd imagine that, that might be one of the things he gets asked about the most you know when you maybe you were introducing him to people about yeah. the final four 1951 because he is you know he's the guy that took K State the closest to ever winning a national championship is that was he was usually asked about the most or the story that was brought up the most
1: that, that was you know in a basketball sense yeah that was that was the, the thing that was brought up or then you know, there were I mean everybody has five stories about Ernie Barron if you were touched by him you ha- you have a story about him and and some of them are really funny others of them well I'll tell you that every time Ernie came around I knew he was gonna get in my back pocket Oh, he's always going to ask for money. But as far as baseball or basketball was concerned, that was the one. And it was like an anvil was lifted off of his shoulders when, when, uh, K state beat Kentucky. That was, that was good. And then we watched the game this year. Uh, Julie and I came over and watched the game with Bonnie and Ernie. And, uh, it was, uh, same thing he he went out he got up and hugged Bonnie when we beat kentucky and and uh it was it was just always a special moment
0: well coach to wrap up you mentioned everybody's got stories about Ernie Barrett uh as we wrap up I'd love to know if you have one or two that is most memorable to you that you would like to share with us
1: uh, there's, uh you know how do you how do you put all of that in <laughs> I've got a hundred <laughs> so I um, uh, um, probably the, uh, the, the, one of the, the best ones was, uh, when we were building the stadium and, uh, I was getting a little impatient because things weren't moving as fast as I wanted it to. And I, I probably said something to somebody or something anyway. So he came out to practice and he goes, uh, coach he goes, uh, you know, a lot of people are donating their time and donating their material and stuff like that. So he said, kind of knock it off. If you look, he goes, don't say anything negative. We need these people to, otherwise we're not going to get the stadium that we want. And I said, Ernie, I said, we're in our second year of building this like that. He looked at me real sternly and he said, well, coach, he said, "We can either make this into the best baseball stadium Kansas State's ever have, or we'll start up that softball program again and have the best softball stadium Kansas <laughs> State could ever have." <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, "Yes, sir." <laughs> I get the message. So, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good story. So that, that would be that would be one of the better ones. So.
0: Well, Coach, know uh, you guys were uh, close for a very long time. Uh, but we do have that, um, you know, that celebration of life coming up on Thursday. Do we know any specific details about that quite yet?
1: It's it'll be at one o'clock at Bramley's Coliseum. Okay, and and it, everybody's invited. It's open open to the public, and we'd like to see a big crowd. And 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 again, uh, there'll be a reception afterwards at the Shamrock Zone. So uh bye. Want to make sure everybody stops by and give their wishes to Bonnie and Brad and Ryan and Lauren. Uh, it's been a tough time for them, and, and uh, as you can imagine, and, and they they really want to hear from everybody because, I mean, K State family started with Ernie Bear a long, you know, 50, 70 years ago. However, long seventy years ago, actually, with them playing basketball. We want the K-State family to show up and and pay their respects to a great guy and then also pay, res- pay their respects to a
0: great family. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing those memories about um, Ernie Barrett, and uh, we'll be seeing you around baseball here fairly soon with the uh, weekend series against Texas Tech coming up. Thank you for your time.
1: You bet. Take care.
0: That's former K-State baseball coach and true friend to Ernie Barrett, Mike Clark, here on the game. We'll take a break, and when we come back, uh, I'll share a few more statements from those uh, with K-State and and their thoughts on Ernie Barrett, and we're going to hear from Chris Klein in his final press conference of the spring next. We're back on the game. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale share a few more um, statements about the late Ernie Barrett. This one coming from former K-State head coach Bruce Weber, All of us will remember Ernie for his bone-crushing handshakes and enormous hugs. However, Megan and I will always appreciate Ernie's kind heart and true friendship. It was our honor and privilege to have Ernie and Bonnie as our dear friends and neighbors. Uh, Also, let's uh, hear from, uh, let's see, I lost my spot here. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Brad Underwood, current coach at Illinois, of course, former K-State men's basketball coach, player and assistant coach, the name fits him. He was an incredibly gifted athlete in his time, but his passion and pride for his university were never in doubt. Known for his firm handshake and his ability to never forget a name will always stick with me, along with the grab at the back of the neck. Also known for his uncanny ability to pour a very stiff drink and was always present at as many Kansas State functions as possible. He celebrated every single win, no matter what sport. For K-State, he left no doubt to where his heart was. There has never been a better representative of our university than Ernie. Emal. How about one more? Bill Snyder. Ernie was the dearest of friends, one of the greatest K-Staters in the world, and a special, special man and husband. He's one of the first individuals I met when I visited Manhattan and was significant as anyone in formulating my decision to come to Kansas State. Never in my 40-plus years here have I met anyone who meant more and did more for a university than Ernie. He sought out opportunities to promote Kansas State University and the athletics program everywhere he was. While he was truly one of the most recognizable K-Staters across the state, Ernie was amazingly received in our western Kansas communities and was embraced in the astonishing way. It was astonishing to witness people bring their children and family members just to meet Ernie and shake his hand. He and Bonnie have been so meaningful to Manhattan Manhattan Kansas State University and the entire state of Kansas and he will be dearly missed. There are so many of these statements I highly suggest go to kstateSports.com, click on the article announcing the death of Ernie Barrett
2: and if you scroll down I mean, you'll find a whole bunch. They have been busy today adding comments as they have come in. I
0: mean, the last uh, – excuse me. They may have been adding more. The last I saw at the bottom of the list was Brad Underwood. Mm -hmm. But you have Bob Huggins. You have Lon Kruger, Chad Weiberg, who is now the AD at Oklahoma State. He's a former K-State assistant AD. Uh, John Curry's in there. Tim Weiser, former AD. Uh, Let's see here. You have um, longtime donors, the Sherwood family in there, uh, Mary Veneer who's been in an uh, athletics donor a long time. Uh, let's see who else is in there. Jeff Mitty, Chris Kleiman, Jerome Tang. Uh, and of course, you have Richard Linton, Mr. President M- Richard Linton, and, and Gene Taylor, of course, mm-hmm. in there as well. That's the last update I saw. There might be more in there now. But I highly suggest go to KCSports.com and, uh, and read those, uh, those statements. They, they are very touching. Uh, let's get to Chris Klein. As a matter of fact, he did actually start
3: his press conference uh, with his thoughts on Ernie Barrett. My condolences to the Barrett family uh, of the passing of Ernie, uh, Mr. K State. Uh, what a great man! Um, had had a lot of interactions in my four plus years with with Ernie, and everybody remembers the strong handshakes and grabbing the back of your neck. And uh, but a pure K Stater, football was really important to him. Athletics in general, he. Um, embraced uh, myself and our staff, and uh, my thoughts go to, to the Barrett family. And I said this in the first hour. I just want to repeat it, and I think this
0: should be a kind of thing. You know, it's like tradition or whatever, and, you know, wherever in the, in the United States when it comes to college athletics or even pro sports, you know, to slap a banner or slap a sign, some sort of tradition is like a rub for good luck. And I think now, if you're parking on the west side of the stadium, or the west side of, yeah, of the stadium, or Bramlage Coliseum, and you're walking in on the west side, that's where the Ernie Barrett, uh, the statue is. The statue is of him gesturing for a handshake. Go shake his hand when you walk into Bramlage now, because if it wasn't for him, like we just heard from Mike Clark, and I mentioned in the first hour, when you look around K-State and the campus, and you look at all the athletic facilities, they're not there without Ernie Barrett. So I think that's a great way to pay tribute to Ernie. Game in and game out, the success of K-State basketball, a lot of that started with, of course, Ernie Barrett. Uh, let's keep it going here with Chris Kleiman. again. You know, fans are asking why no spring game. Chris Kleiman delivered what he thought was an easy answer to why no spring game.
3: I want everybody to see Deuce Vaughn play in the fall, and everybody wants to see Deuce Vaughn play in the spring. And for three years, that kid didn't get touched in the spring, and he was able to have pretty good falls. And so, everybody, if they if they come to a game, and I understand it from a fan's perspective, they want to come and watch. Some of the young guys, but they also want to come and watch guys like Deuce. And every time Deuce carries the football in March and April, I'm holding on for dear life, that hoping somebody doesn't fall on the kid and, and tear his knee. That's a little bit of why we don't do it as well. Let me be very, very clear,
0: because I think some were confused by this. Chris Kleiman is not saying Deuce Vaughn is coming back. <laughs> I, I, I was reading some of those uh, you know, Twitter responses to, I think Derek Young had a tweet out there mentioning this because he was at the press conference. And they're like, wait, 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 wait a second here. uh, Did we miss something? Is Deuce coming back? He's not coming back. He's going to get drafted. Um, Deuce Vaughn was used as an example of a guy that had, you know, he was probably pretty beat up by the time the season ended, but you want him healthy as you can possibly get him. You want him to be 100% heading into the next season, right? I know it's a little bit of a different philosophy than Bill Snyder. We have not had a spring game since Chris Kleiman has has been the head coach, to me, not a big deal. Um, You want your guys to be healthy. But also, if you think about it, I mean, guys after the season is over are very banged up, at the least, usually, especially if you're a starter game in and game out. The more plays you play, the more banged up you're probably going to be. He wants time for these guys to heal. Those guys that are established aren't going to do a whole lot in spring ball, but there's also guys that miss spring ball because they're injured. And they need the time to recuperate. That also limits some of the positions. And, you know, sometimes, especially last year, but also even this year, there's a handful of positions where they just wouldn't have enough people to play a spring game at positions. So I think it makes 100% sense to me to not have a spring game. Now, if I were to make a suggestion and they wanted to do something with the fans, you could have like some, you know, one afternoon have like i the women's basketball team before covid i don't know if they've gotten back to this but i always liked that before the season started they would have like a big carnival slash celebration that you know the basketball season's almost here it's also like right before like the i think the you know maybe the weather starts to get a bit cooler or whatever but also a way to promote the team where they have a bunch of games and then you have a player like running each game and Jeff Mitty and the coaching staff are growing up some hot dogs, and it's just it's a fun place to bring the family, have a celebration, and and meet the players. And I think you could do something like that with the football team. Just my idea. Uh, but I, I think there's I, th- I think the fans would like a little something. Like a little something. And you used to be able to like go on the field after the spring game and meet some of the players, or that maybe there was a separate event at the spring game, and then maybe later down the road, maybe closer to the fall, you had an event with the players. I remember in school going down on the field and meeting some of the players around that time. I think there's an opportunity to do those kind of things. I'm just throwing out some ideas there. Uh, let's see. Let's get to um, – I, I mentioned the first time. I love the development of the depth when it comes to the linebackers. You know what depth is really blossoming? That's
3: offensive line. You know, the Andrew Line gangs, the Carver Willises, the Sam Hex, the guys that have been here for a little bit that are continuing to get better and better, and, and, and Sam Shields getting better, and then some of our freshmen that came in last year that maybe were 260 that are now 275 to 280. That Maybe another year with those guys will get them to 290, 295 when we got to replace all those guys. Now, we fully expect to be able to play eight, nine guys
0: now, with him saying eight, nine guys, I mean, that's a goal every year because they're going to rotate some guys, and they want the opportunity to have that kind of depth. Eight or nine guys is the goal. I, I mean, I, I know that's what Coach said. It feels like, I mean, I bet in the fall it's going to probably get to ten. Potentially. Potentially. I don't know that for a fact. It's just my gut feeling. Because on the line, your starters are already know. We already know who it's going to be. It's, it's KT Leviston, We're going to go from left to right. KT Leviston, Cooper Beebe, Hayden Gillum. Uh, Taylor Portier, who's going to be back and ready to go after a very early injury this last season, and then Christian Duffy. But backing them up, like Coach said, Sam Het, Andrew Lane Gang, Hadley Panzer, who started most of last year, Sam Shields, Carver Willis. I mean, the development is already there moving forward. It's it, it's there for sure. Uh, let's see if we can squeeze one more in. I really liked this one here. Ty Zittner. Now, according to ESPN, it's not like in the top two. Fit. I don't think they really – List. Kickers. But Coach Kleiman mentioned
3: that, uh, you know, there's there's some people looking at him. It's neat to see Ty, for starters, get the recognition that he's uh, so well earned with the amount of NFL teams that have come in here to work him out. And uh, I'm really hoping that Ty gets drafted because I think he deserves it. He set the bar pretty dang high now. What he did the last half of last year is as good as I've seen uh, as far as a, a combo guy doing everything. That'd be sick if Ty Zinner somehow – Ty Zinner really showed off the
0: leg this past season. As a punter, we already knew about that. The guy could pin you deep anytime he wanted to mostly. But the leg he had in the accuracy with the field goals after he took over for a struggling Chris Tennant, impressive. That, that'll catch a lot of attention when it comes to the scouts across the NFL. I think he has a great chance of landing somewhere. All right, let's take a break. We'll finish up with number one song of the day, Asketh Anything, coming up. And with number one song of the day, I'm bending the rules a little bit. That's coming up next.
2: Go ahead. I noted earlier this morning that this was the seven year anniversary of Prince Rogers Nelson's passing. Favorite Prince track? Raspberry Beret. Solid. Solid. I would go for that. I tend to be a fan of Sign of the Times. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Also, Strange Relationship, which I slipped in as a bumper here a little while ago as a favorite.
0: Now, I did take note that Prince did pass away on this day. So I'm going to save a number one song for him next week. I kind of wondered. If you
2: were going to put one in today at number one. I know.
0: I noticed I saw a pop up actually on Twitter. A lot of people paying tribute today. Yep. I was like, you know, we could do a little bit better today. No offense to Prince.
2: No. And made perfect sense. Your selection. I'm
0: not arguing that one bit. Although I'm not going to lie. It's very hard to find details in a song released in 1951. (laughs) I hit a dead end pretty quickly. (laughs) Honestly, I was probably turning down a dead end road when I picked it.
2: Should have seen it coming. Right. That's one where I wish that uh, I had the materials of Joel Denver, who for years did a lot of the billboard research on the charts and the like, because I would assume that he probably had something on Perry Como.
0: Didn't Prince do a cover of
2: While My My Guitar Gently Weeps? He did. That was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction Mm. a number of years ago. Uh, George Harrison on stage, Tom Petty on stage, uh, Jeff Lynne on stage, and he upstaged all of them. Of
0: course, Purple Rain is legendary. I'm not a big fan of When Doves Cry. That one is just never really...
2: It hasn't done it for me. It remains one of the Otter songs because if you listen to it, there really is no baseline to it.
0: I also like uh, Little Red
2: Corvette. Yes. Shout out to Little Red Corvette absolutely you the, never saw him in concert never saw him in concert and it still haunts me to this day that i didn't was that a pretty big blow for you when he did pass oh absolutely did you cry no i didn't cry but i did spend the entirety of the day listening to prince songs
0: is there a prince museum or anything
2: the best minnesota that, the best that you've got is his property uh paisley park they can turn into like a graceland They have kind of, except Uh. that it's not so much the touristy thing yet. They haven't done that with it. They open it up occasionally for concerts and events and activities that are tied to maybe things like songs coming out of the vault that they may release. But they don't do it per se the way that Graceland does, where it's an open all day type of museum trip. No. It's special events only.
0: I just want to see a wall of all his funky guitars. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine? By the way, uh, the number one song I did have in mind, I'll give you a little tease, was in a Batman movie.
2: One of your favorite songs? It would rank in there. It's it's right there. All right, we got a weird week of shows.
0: Tomorrow, we'll break it down for you on Monday. For Troy, Mitch, K-Rock, Go Cats.